Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. So, um, by God's grace, we are going to um, just look at another theme. Um, if you remember, last time we met, we were exploring the life of Moses and his relationship with God, how he met with God in the tent of the tabernacle. And we saw that that meeting was not only for, was not only meant to be for Moses, but it also involves all the children of Israel. They too had the right to enter the tent of meeting. And we now saw how Joshua, the young, bad God, the young man, Joshua, he spent time in the presence of God. He did not, he knew that, okay, if Moses goes there, he too has a right to encounter God in the tabernacle and meet with God and have his own time with the Lord. And we were challenged last time and the challenge was, it's also important we to stay behind, like Joshua was staying behind. To stay behind, to engage with God. And it is this engagement with God that transforms our lives. It's this engagement with God that makes us um, continually being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And that's what God wants to do with us. God wants to progressively help us to know Jesus more and more and more. But you see, you don't, you don't know somebody when you don't spend time with the person. You don't know somebody intimately when you don't spend time with the person. And here comes the challenge that we should be deliberate about spending time with the Lord so that it can, it's not a routine, it's not a religious activity. God wants to rob his heart. He wants to rob his mind. He wants to rob his, his will on our hearts. That's what God wants to do. We are going to look at the scripture. And it's just to show you what God wants to do with me and you. Let me go there quickly. Um, I just thought we should look at this because I initially, I was thinking, okay, maybe we'll study something else. But it's just good to, to go back and explore what God is intending to do with your life and with my life. Now, still on looking at the theme of Moses and how God instructed him 
the scripture I'm actually looking for. Just bear with me. Yes. <clears throat> let's let's open to Exodus twenty four. Exodus chapter twenty four. Um, I want us to look at. Maybe for the purpose of um, context, let's let's start from verse one. So, can somebody read for us Exodus twenty four, from verse one down to verse? Um, let's just read everything down to verse eighteen. Um, can somebody from the Salido household read for us? Thank you. Exodus 24, 1 to 18. Uh, Exodus 24. And the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me and bring along Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near and none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the front, at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he set some of the young, sent some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and to sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses drained half the blood from these animals into basins. The other half he splattered against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Again, they they all responded, "We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey." Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people, declaring. Look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you uh, in giving you these instructions. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. There they saw God, the God of Israel. Under his feet seemed to be uh, a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli, as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I am gone, consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. 
On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from the inside of the cloud. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. He remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And, you know, it was at the end of this chapter 24, if you read the other chapters, 25, God kept 25, 26, you know, down. This was the beginning of the divine instructions, the law. All what God was going to give us, prescription of the law to the children of Israel, stead with this encounter that Moses had with God. Now, the reason why I read this is because I just wanted to pick out something very important. It was from here that God started, or God um, gave Moses all the instructions of what the children of Israel are going to do. And it was quite extensive. The instructions about um, the priestly garments, the instructions about building the tabernacle, the instructions about um, how the, the children of Israel are going to worship, you know, the Sabbath day, all those instructions started from the end of, for the beginning of verse 25. And Moses took time, or God took time to write these instructions for Moses. Now, I just thought I should point a few things out from that, um, from what we read. Now, I'm not going to, uh, it's a, I, I would have wanted us to start studying it from verse one, um, to talk about not, um, how God called the 70 elders and all that. At some point, by God's grace, we'll talk about it later. But look at verse nine. That's where I want to start from. You can see, that Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, the 70 elders of Israel. And the Bible said, they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved walk of sapphire stone. And it was like very, it was like the very heavens in his clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. So it was an experience for those elders. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders. God wanted to also encounter them. So God told them to come up. You know, that was the instruction in verse 1. They were not going to come up just to come and discuss. They were going to come up to meet with God. You understand? So they are coming up because it was God that instructed it. He told the elders, he told Moses with the Aaron, Nadab, come up. You understand? It was an instruction. And you see, God has not stopped calling us. He wants us to come up. God wants us to encounter him. But he wants you to come up. 
that instruction come up means come and meet with God because God is above. Eh? Come up doesn't necessarily mean climbing up a, a building. No. It's to it's a is a reverential way of saying, come and, and come and meet with me. Come and engage me in your heart. Come and come and have some time with me. And that that time that God is asking us to have with him. It's not meant to be secluded. It's not only meant to be secluded at a specific point, but it's an initiation into a re- relationship with God. So, for instance, now, if I meet with God in the morning, in my quiet time, does it mean I cannot talk to God again during the day? No. It's just the beginning. It's just an initiation. God wants you to relate with him regularly. And what he's doing with you in the morning is just the beginning. He wants you to have that consistent relationship with God. That's the reason. And you know, the same thing applies to all these priests. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders. God was going to initiate them into meeting with him. So what did God do? Look at it. The Bible said, in verse 11, they saw God and they ate and drank. It was a time of meeting with the Lord. And the reason why I'm reading this is so that you will appreciate that God wanted to not only meet with Moses, he wanted to have time with the others as well. God did not only want to meet with Moses. Yes, Moses was going to hold the law. Moses was going to give them the law. But if God was going to give them the law, it was, it was, God was going to use these priests and the 70 elders to pass across the law to the children of Israel. Do you understand? Do you remember in, in scriptures when, when um, Moses was sitting down to judge the children of Israel from morning till night. Do you remember? Hmm? And Jethro came and saw what Moses was doing. It was very laborious, very tiresome. Do you remember? Jethro advised Moses. He said, select 70 people. Eh? Select 70 people who will be judges over the people and you will sit with these 70 people so that it can pass across any judgment to them that is difficult for them to handle. Now, how was God, how was Moses going to pass across all this law that he was going to teach the people? He couldn't do it himself. Moses needed elders who could also pass across the truth. And do you know this this is this is very very challenging to me and you is because you see as disciples of Jesus there is a demand upon your head there's a demand there's a demand upon my head God is calling us there are so many things he wants to share with people God wants to use us as the channel through which we can pass across his law his will, his mind to people. That's why 
me and you need to keep meeting with God and engaging with him. These 70 elders were part of God's program to pass across the law to the children of Israel. The 70 elders, they were not just elders for elders being elders sick. No, they were going to be people who would be custodians of the law. Moses was not going to be the only one who will be a custodian of the law. The children of Israel, through the elders, too, needed to be custodians. So the elders needed to be custodians of the law. So God had to engage with them too. So you see here, the Bible said, they ate and drank. They saw God. So beloved brethren, if the elders saw God, if the elders also engaged with God, later on you will see that the children of Israel started misbehaving. Who was meant to call them to order? Was it the elders? Was it only Moses that would call them to order? Do you see what we're, do you see what we're trying to establish? God wants us to understand that by God's grace, his dealings with you is to help people. Do you understand? Moses was engaging with God, but God, in his wisdom, said, no, Moses, you are not going to be the only one to engage with me. Let me also engage with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders. They too need to have an impression of me on their hearts. So they, they need to come up. So that when it is time, they too will be able to carry the consciousness of God and affect the people. Yes, Kevin. It feels like this is bringing up this sort of big debate about who's in full-time ministry. And we talk about we're all in full-time ministry because we're all, you yeah. know, we're all born again. We're, 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 there is no secular work because yeah. we always take the Holy Spirit with us. Um, and we were having a discussion today about hierarchy in the church mm. and uh, 14 levels of hierarchy between the average, the average pew sitter mm. and the, the, the great overseer. Yes. Um, um, so, but it is, a, it is a good challenge of saying, well, when does one not rely on a, a, a job, mm. a career mm. to sustain you? Um, and you trust in God because you can't trust in the church because mm. the church doesn't always compensate people mm. for the work they do, mm. and many people think you shouldn't. So, so I mean, the only reason I raise it is because it's come up today. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have even thought about it otherwise. Yeah. But, uh, but what do you think about this challenge, really, to to be a full time minister? Yes, so of that nature, of that nature. Mm. So and how should uh, we support them? Of course. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, on the issue of uh, full-time ministry, I agree with you. You know that statement when you said we are all full-time ministers of God. Yes. But at times, God separates some people and says, come. Come and I want you to stop doing what you are doing. Concentrate on this. It doesn't make them more consecrated than the person who is serving God with his profession. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make them 
more holy. You see, that's why God, you know, in his, the Lord told us in the book of Colossians, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do. The reason is because what you are doing belongs to the Lord. So if what I am doing belongs to the Lord, I am actually his handiwork in that profession. So for instance, now, if I work as a doctor and I'm helping people in the hospital, I must not think that if that is where God has placed me for now, I must not think that my work is less holy than the pastor who is working full time. It is just that God has ordained it that for now, he wants that pastor to do this work full time. It doesn't mean that what I am doing, you see, that's why before I did not understand this, honestly. I used to think that until I become a pastor full time, hmm, I'll be doing God's work. Until when God opened my eyes to see that was Daniel doing God's work? Was David doing God's work? You see, all these people, look at Moses. We are looking at Moses now. I hope you know that Moses, in the if Moses was living in our generation now, Moses was a leader of a nation. David was a president of a country. You see, Daniel was an administrator in a big in a in a hidden government. All these people, Daniel was not a preacher, but what he did is not less holy than what a prophet um, Jeremiah was doing. Because do you know ultimately what Daniel did? Daniel did not have a congregation. But he saw vision. He wrote those visions down. Later, the Lord made it possible for us to read those visions. Are they not blessing us now as Christians? You, you see? So, um, it is just God that orchestrates and administers our lives. So, if I, if God says, you are not going to be a full-time pastor, what I want you to do is to do this. It doesn't make me less consecrated. I must see it as God's divine assignment upon my life. Because I need to do that thing. As unto the Lord. So the issue of salary, you know, you raise the issue of salary. That means as a doctor who is working for the Lord, eh, I am working not because of a salary, but I'm working because this is where God has placed me and he wants me to do his service there. He wants me to serve him there. That's why I must realize that I am not just there to treat patients. As I relate with my colleagues, God is saying, you need to represent me there. You need to bring the gospel there. That's why the gospel is not, should not be restricted to church. It should not be restricted to only evangelical meetings. In your, in your place of work, as you are sitting down, relating with your colleagues, and you are talking, God is saying, bring the gospel, the salvation, the good news, bring it there. You are my minister there. That is your scope of influence. That is your pulpit. That is the platform I've given you 
to declare the gospel. So you have a lot of people who are preachers, who are evangelists, but they are not evangelists with microphone. <laughs> they are evangelists quietly in their place of work. Quietly affecting people and sharing the gospel. And let me tell you, people, people have been affected. I know that people are getting saved even quietly in their place of work. People are doing Bible study, arranging this kind of Bible study one-on-one with people in their place of work. I know it. We, is, that less, is that less spiritual than what we are doing now? No. It's not less spiritual. That's why we must see ourselves as full-time ministers in that sense. But if God has said, okay, I want you to stop doing this job, but I want you to go and serve me as a missionary somewhere, no problem. No problem at all. I met a couple. I went to preach in one church some months ago. And I, I met a couple. It was very wonderful. This couple, they were working in the, they had a bed and breakfast. And it was like a Christian bed and breakfast. They, they, they use it as an opportunity. Um, Christians will come and stay, organize meetings in their bed and breakfast, and they will lodge them. And so the Holy Spirit told them some months before I met them that they should sell it and go and do another work in Scotland, in the Highlands. There's a retreat center in the Highlands. I think it's a Christian retreat center. God told them to stop what they were doing and go and do that work in the Highlands. Do you understand? So now, they are doing, they were doing their own Christian, they had a bread and breakfast. Of course, they were charging money so that the bread and breakfast can run. Hmm? But now, they have stopped, God has told them, stop what you are doing, but go and do this work for me. And they were sharing with me what the Holy Spirit was telling them. You know, so the question is, are they less, are they, were they less consecrated doing God's work or they are more consecrated doing it now for me it's the same it's all about where God is calling you to be that's why we must realize that whatever you do so you know it, it, when we think about this at times we think that the reward you get is going to be different so somebody who is a pastor who God has called to be a pastor and is pastoring a flock full-time. And somebody who is also a pastor, but he's doing it part-time. Eh? God has not called him to go full-time, but he's doing it part-time. Excuse me. Is their reward different? It's only going to be different because of what they do. Not because one is a full-time, one is a part-time. God rewards faithfulness. It's all about your faithfulness. So, I, I just think that there is actually no difference. All of us are doing God's work full-time. It's meant to be full-time. That's why even as a police officer, if you're a police officer, for instance, working in the police station, you are carrying Jesus to that police station. 
if you are a detective, you are a Christian detective carrying Jesus to that place. Yes, Nika, Dom, you're welcome. Um, George, even though we are not like a full-time minister, but we are is every day we do uh, God's work full-time in our lives, like in the family, we do exactly. God's work there. Exactly. At our workplace, and then when we go out, even, you know, just meeting someone there, and then uh, God will just prompt you to just you know, talk to that person <laughs> personally, and then you can inject the word of God. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you, Nika. Is that is that part-time or full-time? <laughs> it's full-time. The Holy Spirit is nudging you to do his work as per his instruction. Are you going to say, but Holy Spirit, remember, this is not Sunday. Um, This is not Sunday. I, 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 I can't do this now. No. It is it is um, God doing His work through us every day of our lives. Now, like I said, at times you can say you are going to be doing this particular work. Maybe you are a, you are a missionary somewhere. Maybe you are a, a a pastor. God could call you and say, "I want you to go and pastor this church." Don't worry about. Um, doing any extra work, I will provide for you. God has been faithful and he will continue to do it. That's why even as somebody who is doing a secular job, you are not doing a secular job, first of all, for salary. You are doing it, first of all, to serve God. It's not for salary. Because if you are doing it for money, when they say, if you don't stop preaching to your colleagues, we will not promote you. What will you do? If you were doing that because of promotion, to get a higher salary, and they say, keep stop preaching, stop talking to your colleagues about Jesus, or else we will not promote you. Of course, because you are doing it for salary in your head. What will you do? You stop. You say sorry. Okay, I can't because I need. I, I'm I'm doing it for the salary. I have to stop so that I can keep getting my salary. You see, this brings me to a very very important issue. I know we are we are veered a bit, but I think it is crucial. I feel strongly that the Holy Spirit wants us to discuss this. Eh? It brings me to a very important issue. Can we just open our Bibles? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got some feedback from, from Liam, probably. But uh, yes. the um, my question, I mean, we've, got six, we've got six people here today who are deciding on their careers very shortly in the next yes. five to ten years. Yes. And um, they definitely love the Lord. They definitely have a strong calling to do that. Yes. I haven't I haven't heard um, anyone suggest that they were thinking about going into full time ministry? Yes. Yeah. Um, now, is that conversation just not being had generally? Yes. Uh, you know, it certainly is difficult to get traditional 
um, men and women of God to take up the, the cloth. Mm -hmm. okay. So is that a conversation that's not being had that needs to be had more often? No, it's not. Because I believe I've had people, young people, who have told me they want to go and do go to Bible school so that they can train to be a minister. I've had young people do that. Straight from college. Some people have been advised. Some young people have been advised. They said, see, you can still do that, but get a skill or get some training so that it will, whatever skill you have later can help you do what you are doing. I'll give an example. You know, there was nothing wrong for Moses to have been called straight away to go and deliver the children of Israel. There was nothing wrong. But God, in his divine wisdom, passes, I'm going to show, show you a scripture, the Lord organizes our paths so that he can train you into what he was bringing you into. Let me read that scripture. Do you remember that scripture that says, it is God. We are his workmanship. Yes, I think it's in Ephesians, isn't it? His workmanship called according to Ephesians chapter 2. Yes. Let's look at it. Now, we are going to read that scripture from King James. So where are we getting an echo? I think you need to put Liam on mute. Oh, okay. Am I okay now? Yeah, it stopped. Yes. So let's look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 verse, uh, I think it's verse 9 or 10. Let's see. Ephesians 2 verse. Now we we'll read that scripture from Amplified. We we'll read it from King James. Then we take it from Amplified. And somebody read it for us. Verse 10. Yes, it's verse 10. Okay. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse 10. This is the Amplified version. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Don't read Amplified yet. Read King James, please. Let's start from there and then we pick up. Uh, just bear with me. Um, King James, yes. King James version. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, look at what God is saying. Jesus is telling us. The Lord is telling us. We are his workmanship. Eh? We are work, we are, we are, we are God's workshop, actually. Created hmm? in Christ Jesus, because that is where it starts from. <laughs> that is where whatever you are doing makes meaning, makes sense. You were your salvation and your foundation is in Christ Jesus. For good works. Now. The Bible now says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I just want to, the reason why I said we should read it from Amplified is, can you read it from Amplified just to add more explanation to it? Yes. Yeah. So, verse 10 in Amplified says, for we are God's own handiwork, yes. workmanship, recreated in Christ, Jesus, born anew. 
Yes. That we may do those good works which God predestined, plans yes. beforehand for yes. us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living yes. the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, do you see God has put some paths for us to walk in? Because we have been recreated in Christ Jesus, God has organized some paths for me and you to walk in. Now, those paths have um, work. Those paths have things for me and you to do so that we can end up doing the good works he wants us to do. Now, those good works might mean being a pastor. But God wants you to be a pastor like Moses. God wanted him to shepherd the children of Israel first. But what did God do? God taught him how to look after sheep. God had to teach him how to look after another man's um, sheep. Before the Lord now said, okay, you've looked after sheep. You are now going to look after people. Do you remember God, Jesus was telling um, Peter, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You have been fishing for fish. You understand? You have been fishing for fish, but now you are going to be fishing for men. If you see it, this is a consistent theme right through scriptures. When God is planning to do work with you, he gives you proper training. And part of that training involves even your secular job. I have seen where, I think I'm seeing echoing. I don't know. Okay, I'm okay. Okay, thank you. Do you know, there are some things I'm doing now. I'll give an example. This just uh, my own little testimony. When I was in university, I belonged to a drama group. We used to write scripts, drama group. We used to write scripts and we used to do stage plays. And honestly, I was, I was in university and I was asking God, God, please, I want to join a group in the Christian Union to serve you. Which group should I join? And I was shocked, you know, when it was obvious to me, God was leading me to join the drama group. I was not a dramatist. I didn't know how to act drama. But I saw God pull. Because in my head, I wanted to go to Bible study. Eh? Either I joined the Bible study group, so I'll be writing Bible studies. Either I joined the prayer group, so I'll be praying. Those were the things I knew. But God was leading me to the drama group. And I was wondering, but God, what does drama have to do with what I'm doing? Do you understand? It was later, much later, I discovered that God wanted me to be in the drama group so that he can show me, train me in some aspects of my life, which is going to be useful for what I'll be doing later. Do you know it was in drama I discovered that you know, God showed me that even in drama, in Christian drama, 
you could know how to bring up illustrations that can bring out biblical truths. So if you are going to be passing across the word of God, God is saying, I need you to learn how to give divine illustrations that you can use to pass across biblical truth. Some of those skills, I learned it in drama, in in a Christian drama group. But you see, at the time, I did not know that was what God was trying to input in me. So, I believe strongly that once you are in Christ, eh, God has created you in Christ. He leads you in parts onto those good works that he wants you to do for him. So, medical um, um, school training, the normal training we have in school, going to university, having a secular job, all that can be God's leading so that you can pick up necessary skills that God is going to equip you with so that you can do his work better. He hasn't stopped doing it. Eh? God was going to God was going to make David a serious, a a a a prolific warrior in his hand. Where did where did the training start? God started showing David how to kill animals, how to chase them, how to he was confronting lions and bears as a young man. Excuse me, do you notice? that that was a training for the wars and the battles he was going to face later. God was showing him how to use stones on his catapult. Eh? All that was necessary training for what he was going to do for God later. So for instance now, if God is training Regine to be an architect, eh? do you know she's going to pick up some of Necessary skills that the Holy Spirit might use later to do God's work in his kingdom. God can use it. Eh? People, maybe she 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 goes to the maybe let me give you this example. This is just a far-fetched example. Eh? Regine, maybe you are based in um New Zealand, for instance. Or like my my own children will say, I'm always using this example. Maybe you are based in Japan, for instance. Eh? And you need, you meet some Christians and they, are, they want to build a conference center. And you are there. And they say, oh, Regine, you are trained as an architect. What is your, what is your view? We have this and you've learned about Japanese architecture. Eh? You can bring your inspiration under God as a Christian architect into helping those group of believers. And let me tell you, what you are doing, serving them like that, serving God like that, it's not less holy than what a preacher would be doing. You understand? If you look at, if you look at scriptures, you saw that the priests, eh? The, the family of the, the family of Levi had various families underneath. Eh? The various sons of Levi. All of them had very specific things they did in the tabernacle in the temple. Do you remember those groups? 
the, you had various groups in scriptures. They belonged to the royal priesthood. Eh? But they were doing specific things. You have the Geshonites, you had the Kohathites, you know, all those families had specific things they were doing. Now, the Goashites and the Kohathites that were involved in carrying the utensils in the tabernacle, do they, if we, will you now say that the Kohathites are less than the Geshonites? No, they only had different roles. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. All of us have different roles. All of us have been called to do different things in the body. Does it make us less or more than each other? No. Yes, Kevin. I might be wrong, but were they not all from the tribe of Levi, though, and they all had their roles and, and they yes. had all their income and provision yes. provided under a certain system? Yes. I'm really concerned that we haven't got enough people going to lead churches and creating yes. churches whatever those and i'm not talking about mega churches and yeah. not even talking about traditional churches i'm just saying just not enough people stepping up taking the responsibility to be a shepherd mm. if you want to put it that way and take because because the flock has a lot of need doesn't it mm. a flock, you know people have a lot of need these days and we need more people willing to come alongside people mm. uh in need and um so that's my biggest concern and yeah. one of the reasons i intimate that people aren't doing it is because yes. it doesn't pay enough to live on uh, oh no I, I i get what you're saying um in as much as you know that they're not giant leaders or people are who are coming up it's not big like you rightly said it's not the issue of mega churches but if somebody has sincerely i'm, I'm talking about the spiritual aspect now because we have I remember when in our church we were looking for a youth pastor and an advert was sent, but the person that came forward was not qualified. It was obvious. You know, um, there was a church, an Anglican church near us that was looking for a vicar. The people that came were not qualified. It was obvious, you know, you are in you are in a generation where there are some people who are leaders who call themselves leaders, but they don't believe in the Bible. And yes, <laughs> you'll be wondering why why did this man come forward, but he doesn't believe in the gospel, and he wants to lead a church, and it's already happening. I hope you know, it's happening. A a, a we heard the story of how a a Christian fellowship started. How did it start? It was very interesting. There was this couple, they started attending this church and they had young children. And because they were a young family, they gathered the children with some other, another couple and they started doing like a small Sunday school for the children. And the leaders of the church said, no, they are not happy with it. Say, but we need to cater for our young children. Say, no. There's no space for that yet. <laughs> so they left. And what did they do? They noticed that there were other young families around and they gathered them. That was how that church fellowship started. From young children, couples coming together. And because the couples were now large, you understand? They just felt 
oh, let's, there, must, there has to be a need for us as well because all of us cannot be running the Sunday school. So while the Sunday school is being run by a couple, they did rotational couple, then the rest of them became like a fellowship, the other couples. And lo and behold, the thing grew. And honestly, a sizable local assembly was born out of that. So you have, and was it not somebody that was showing me, I can't remember, that in America, there's some, there's a particular church that some of their leaders don't believe in the gospel. <laughs> you understand? So I agree with you that yes, you know, that's a deficiency. But you see, if, if you don't have the required or the, the required people to do God's work, God honestly prefers to get the right person than just to have anybody. At times you see that some projects, Christian projects, do not take off. They don't come off the ground until somebody with a vision comes into that work. And we see it all the time, all the time. At times we are very worried. We say, oh, oh, this needs to be done. This needs to be done. Yes, it needs to be done. But God is saying, because I was worried myself. I remember there are some things, even now, there are some things I want to do. I'm saying, but, but God, let me go and do it. I need to go and do it. What saying? I'm not, I've not called you there. Ah, but people are suffering there. People are, you know, uh, and I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I know they are suffering. But I have not called you to do that. You will see stories in scriptures of people who were not sent, but they ran when God did not send them. You know, so it's also something that we need to be aware of. But, Kevin, you've raised the prayer point. What did Jesus say? <laughs> Pray the Lord of the harvest to send in laborers into his work. It's, it's very important. I know we're discussing, <laughs> I know we're discussing the story of Moses. You know, but I just felt what Kevin talked about was important because it's good we have a proper understanding of it. The need for us to know how God works in his body and that all of us form part of this body with various functions. You know, now, please permit me, let me just share this scripture and then we'll run but not say one thing is George. Um, yes. When me and when I'm only down in town, um, knowing about what Jesus is all about and how he does, um, when we walk with him and and stand with him to knowledge, when he would actually crucified and he would now to the cross. We know um, how easy it is to um, feel out for him and trust him anyway. Because what we know, everywhere we actually go to believe in him, when we 
I mean, no, but some people can tell. When they say, are you mad at something? And we say, no, we're not. People say, they just don't believe what Jesus is all about. And, and when we actually pray for the Lord Jesus and read our Bible to the Lord Jesus, and I like when you worship him, you understand for what he actually gives you eternal life to knowledge what he knows what we do. We just believe in his actual world mm. of the actual heaven. And and when he would actually crucify it and he and he would be raised in from the death to come down from the heaven to knowledge our world of our actual heart on believing to stand for him and and listening to what he has to say and do and and where we go to him and that help by him we only walk to believe with by that actual size and praise to give our actual hands to lift up his world and knowledge in him. Okay, and that's, yeah. why, and that's why we go to uh, these things to believe in, in the actual country. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Thank but, you. Um, and that's what we do here today, Lord. Liam, Liam, okay. we will continue um, again, yeah, next weekend because we are running late for our yes. time. And thank you for your sharing, Liam. That's that's yeah. really good. Thank you. Please, can I just highlight a point and then we'll round up. Um, in that Exodus 24 that we read, there was something we saw there. In verse 12, the Bible said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone. And the law and the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So we saw that picture. God called the 70 elders, um, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. And then in verse 12, God called Moses again. But this time, he was to come alone. He said, come up to me on the mountain and be there. Do you see another level of communion? Do you see that even when we come together as a group like this to share, to, to, to learn of God, there's nothing wrong with God calling you aside and saying, come up to me now. Before, in verse 1, they came up together as a group, isn't it? 70 elders, the priests, um, Moses. But this time, God said, no, Moses, I want you to come up to me. So nothing is wrong when God picks you aside. And this is just to buttress what we said last week. 
that even if you're in a congregation and you're all enjoying the presence of God, um, enjoying the word of God, being taught, please, there's nothing wrong. God can also call you aside. Personally now, he told Moses, come up to me and look at what he said and be there. It was very interesting that when God told Moses to come up and be there, that's the first thing. And if you read that scripture, eh, Moses was on that mountain without, without God talking to him. For how long? If you look at it. In verse 16. Moses was on that mountain for six days. The glory of God came and God did not talk to him directly. If you study that scripture, just be there. That was the instruction. Moses was going to engage with God, but he was just going to be in the presence of God for six days. It was after that, now God started writing on the tablets of stone to give Moses. So at times, even when you are in God's presence, beloved brethren, eh, God just wants to you to, to enjoy his presence. God wants you to think about him. I mean, when Moses was on this mountain, you know, I was just thinking, what was he doing? Was he was he just praying? Was he was he just thanking God? Was he praising God? He was just there on the mountain. That was the instruction in verse twelve. Come up to the mountain and be there. King James put um, semicolon, meaning that be there. There was something after. It doesn't end there. It doesn't and be there and full stop. Something was going to come after, but it was just there. So can I, can God challenge my heart? Instead of coming to God's presence and start rattling a long list of prayer requests, <laughs> can you just come and worship God and be there? Can you just magnify him and be there? Even without God talking to you, can you just lay your heart before him? And walk and, and engage him in your heart. You see, these things challenge me because as I studied, I was thinking, ah, it was on, look at it in verse 16. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, God, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Do you see? This challenged me. That relating with God is not, first of all, about me doing things for God. Or God wanting me to go and do this, go and do this. No. God also wants to rob his mind. You see, it was after this experience that Moses came down from the mountain and his face was white. You understand? Moses was just there in God's presence. And we also Enjoy the presence of God by being there and he's rubbing his mind 
his heart as you read scriptures. He's not telling you to go and do something. He's talking to your life. He's inscribing his, his, his will on your own heart. That's what God wants to do with us. I know we are giving to just going, going to do stuff. But God wants you to inscribe his very presence on your heart. I trust that God will help us. Let me stop here. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 